Hello and welcome back to the True North Canadian Football Podcast. As you per usual, I am your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Leach CFL. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington on Twitter at CJK Carter. I believe I change it too many times for me to know what it is. And you can catch me at the radio stations at Portage La Prairie. I'm struggling with this intro, guys, <laughs> but we're going to keep rolling. It's all good. Me, James T's <laughs> special guest. You can find me. You can find me. The goat. Find me on Instagram if you want to. If you want to find me, I I could give I I could give two whatevers about if you follow me. But James underscore T E E S. James underscore T's. That's where you can find the kid. All right. I'm glad we got James on here because for some of the teams we got some offensive line heavy questions, and I really couldn't think of a better person to ask. That's on our staff and the guy who plays juice sports offensive line. So let's jump or no, I got to plug the socials. I forgot about that again. All right. We're having a good intro. Here. I know. I know. Hey, it's a running <laughs> gag that we always forget the <laughs> socials. Oh, All right. Always. So you can follow us on Instagram at Twitter at true North CF podcast. And Facebook at True North Canadian Football Podcast. You can listen to this on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Now, without further ado, let's let's get past that intro here, finally, and hit some news headlines here. So the BC Lions, quote, can't count on Mike Riley starting in week two. And Nathan Rourke is taking all the reps with the ones at practice. So what do we make of this, boys? Well, I mean, I I was at the game. Like, I mean, you were at the game too, Mike, and they introduced Mike Riley playing in the game, and then you, you looked on the field and saw Nathan Rourke, and I think he had a great game for a Canadian rookie on the road. So playing in Calgary might not be the worst thing if Mike's hurt, but, I mean, you still really got to question what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, of of course it's going to be worrisome if if you're going into Calgary. I saw something um, that I believe Bolivar's current record in the CFL in regular season games is seventy seven nineteen and two. So yeah, yeah, second career game is going to be going into Calgary, right? Calgary's hosting. Yep. Yeah, um, that's going to be nerve wracking on anybody, and you're going into. I'd say the third most hostile environment in the CFL. So it's still crazy hostile there. Like Calgary fans are very passionate. Like they love the CFL over there. So, I mean, I wonder if that's going to shake them. That's kind of what I'm intrigued to see. As a, as a Calgarian. Yeah, we are pretty passionate. I'd say McMahon is just a hard place to win on the road for sure. Calgary does not lose many home games, but Man, who knows? I think Nathan Rourke could shine because the pass rush of Calgary looked terrible against Toronto. Who knows? And for Mike Riley, what does this mean for him in the future? Because if he's just going to be consistently hurt and he's the highest paid player, what does that mean for him? True. Uh, I don't know how bad this injury is. I remember when he was in the game in Saskatchewan, he, he definitely had his problems. So I'm not 100% sure how you know he he's gonna fare if he does play but 
if Rourke's taking all the reps, it's a good bet that he's probably playing most of it week two. And then let's talk about some of the global contributions. Last year, we only really saw one global player play a ton of um, Theodric Hansen of Winnipeg. We saw a hmm. couple uh, this time around. Uh, Takeru Yamasaki, Joel Whitford, and Cody Grace, and Jake Ford. All either kickers or punters. What did you guys make of the new global guys? Well, uh, I mean, I'm not going to put it all on the kicker's shoulders for the BC Saskatchewan game, but uh, he missed a couple key kicks there that could have won them the game, but he also made some kicks, and he was the first Japanese player to score in the CFL. So I th there were victories in it, but it's also a lot of learning for them too. And, I mean, the sky's the limit. If they can kick, you know, if they can kick good, they'll be good. Yeah, the it's just hard not to look past that, though, because you're seeing this one guy, right? You're... Uh, BC loses by four, and in like the final five minutes, this guy misses a field goal and an extra point. Like that's just devastating for somebody's confidence. Uh, hopefully he can bounce back. But yeah, that's just a honestly like you could nail every single kick, but everybody's gonna point the finger at you. So like if if you miss those clutch kicks, everybody's gonna be upset at you. So it's super unfortunate. But yeah, hopefully he can bounce back as well. It's gonna be a week of bouncing back, I think. Uh, to be quite frank, I don't think these guys are real deal. They haven't played actual real football professionally in a league that counts until now. And uh, I feel like these are just band-aids until they can find Canadian specialists that are developed and ready to just fill their spots. They're just trying to appease uh, the CFL and how they introduced global players. It's I don't think it's anything more than that rather than like affirmative action. They're just doing this because they have to. I guess. I mean, yeah, you're right. They do have to have a global player, but I don't think any of them were horrendous. I remember there was a kicker Calgary brought up in preseason. He couldn't even make like a 10 yard field goal. Uh, but yeah, like compared to that, Yamasaki yeah, is great, but I mean, I thought he was okay. Like there are some worse uh, kicks this week that uh, CFL veterans may have missed. Uh, that may or may not be on the Argos. But, yeah, I thought the punters weren't too bad there. So, I don't know. Um, we did, They did say we are going to get a better class of global players this year, and I guess that's kind of true, because we have, what, four global players that are actually playing. That's all right. Yeah, they're also probably not used to the wider field, the longer field. They're probably a lot more used to being on American-style uh, fields. Oh, 100%. Yeah, most of these guys would be. Um, I, I think just give it some time and see how they progress, especially I kind of like Yamasaki. When he was out there, I thought he looked all right. But again, wait and see with some of these guys, I guess. And then... Andrew Harris is, quote, progressing well. So what do we make of that? Well, I'll I'll just say as a Saskatchewan fan, and uh, it was like, I, I'm not a big fan of Andrew Harris. Like, he's a great football player, and I respect him, but I'm just not a fan because I'm a Ryder fan. But 
it was weird seeing him on opening night or like not playing, you know what I mean? So I can only imagine as a bomber fan hearing that he's going to be coming back like that, that would make me happy as a bomber fan. So you'd think that, but I've learned that Mike O'Shea is very, very secretive about all of this stuff leading up to it. And he says this and he could say progressing well, progressing well. And then all of a sudden he's not going to be on the lineup again. So I've learned from being like really in tune with bomber stuff that, this means absolutely nothing. <laughs> there you go. This means it's nothing. all optics for other teams' preparation. That's why you got to say, "Oh, he's progressing," so then they game plan for Andrew Harris. Exactly. When the other guys behind him may not have the same running style or similar attributes Andrew Harris has. It's all about optics. The same with uh, the issue with Mike Riley being listed as the starter. Hundred percent. So let's go to TV ratings. Speaking of percentages, uh, ratings are up thirty-one percent from twenty nineteen. Uh, it's awesome. How do you guys feel? Yeah, well, I think people are really missing football, and now that it's back, they'll probably tune in a little bit more. I just hope it uh, stays a little more consistent throughout the throughout the season. Like, I, it's week one, and everyone's excited to see it, but. Let's just make sure, yeah, fans are watching throughout the rest of the season. That'll really help the league out overall. Well, it'll, it would be nice, but I honestly doubt it. It's yeah. It's like if, if the Olympics were held every single year, viewership would falter a little bit. The whole point of like this ratings leap was because, oh, this is the return. It's coming back. It wasn't around as much as it usually was. It's like a big deal. This specific time is a big deal. This is actual history as much as the beginning of any season is historic. This one is the bounce back, the year that we weren't sure if we were going to get. This is that like I think that's why the ratings jumped up as much as they did. It was just people wanting to be a part of that. So like I think this has been a long time coming and people have been super excited. For example, I have friends of mine who've never, ever really watched CFL and I got them to actually sit down for all but one game, which I never thought would happen in a million years. It's kind of just a long time coming to see Canadian sports. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is our league all of our own. So see it come back is a really great thing. and. I'm just curious, do the does the ratings uh hike continue for week two, do you guys think? Yeah, that I think it'll still be there for this week, but it's gonna be I gotta do something, guys. Emergency. Like I'll be back. Sorry. All good, man. All good. But yeah, I think uh I think that it'll stay for another week or two. Like it'll you know, people are gonna be happy and still wanting to see what's going on. Yeah, it's just I I really hope that it can stay consistent, but I think for sure next week it will. I think it might drop off a little bit, but I feel like people are intrigued because you watch one le- or you watch one week or one game and immediately you see storylines start to develop. Some games more than others. I mean, I'm certainly more excited to see Ottawa play, to be honest, because I'm excited for that storyline to see if their offense can kind of keep up with their defense. But yeah, I think that, you know, we might see a slight decrease, but overall still have it be up compared to 2019. I hope so, man. It's it's nice to see things. Lee, I hope they can build off this and, you know, maybe make, you know, help the league grow a bit more, I guess. And then let's jump into game recaps. So, much to my chagrin, um, 
Hamilton took a fat L to the Bombers, 6-19. And we're going to start this off by, what did you guys think of Brady Oliveira? Yeah, I mean, for Canadian and the, it was nice to see a Canadian hometown boy uh, playing really well, like in, in his hometown there. And, you know, 126 rushing yards and 21 receiving yards. That's a great first game. And uh, it, 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 you know, it's a blessing and a curse that Andrew Harris comes back because he's probably not going to get to play much. But uh, it's good to know that they have some really strong back behind Andrew Harris if anything goes down for the rest of the season. Yeah, the hometown kid picking up over 100 yards, and he's a CFL top performer of the week. Uh, I think he was number three behind a couple of Ottawa defensemen. But um, yeah, really, really good outing. I was honestly, like, I knew that Oliveira had a good game in him, but I was still super shocked to see that extent. So yeah, absolutely can't say enough about it. Excellent game. I think Oliveira is a solid runner. You know, he has produced down in the States at North Dakota and it's kind of hard to have success uh, like he had in that game in a two down league. But honestly, I think his success is predicated on the fact that I think Hamilton's front seven is not that good and that the Bombers have an unreal offensive line and they kept running the ball when it was a light box. So it was numbers game. And I think that's what they're going to continue to do and somewhat be successful. Uh, I think we should take everything week one with a grain of salt. For sure. Um, Definitely. For me, I really liked uh, how he was. He really started to settle in later on in that game. I was surprised that he was a bit more of a patient runner. That was nice to see. As a young guy, just kind of waiting for lanes to open up and use being shifty with his footwork and stuff. You like to see that, especially from the young guys. And the one thing I would have probably liked to see more from him was I would have liked to see him in the receiving game a bit more. I believe he only had one catch, but I mean, on the ground, he was absolutely great. So, um, let's skip to the next question here. Was Hamilton's offense that bad or was Winnipeg's defense that good? Well, I I think it was a bit of both. Like, I, I just think it was some misfiring there. Like, Mazzoli could only complete, like, he had 58% completion rate. And they couldn't get the ball, like, moving on the ground. They couldn't get the run game established. So, it became a kind of a one-way there. And then Winnipeg's defense, like, really, Jefferson had an interception. And they just played good overall, like, throughout the game. So, yeah, I think it was a bit of a combination, though. Yeah, I think it's a combination, but I'm going to put a bit more emphasis on Winnipeg's defense because fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. It happened in the Grey Cup. It happened again today or today, this week. Absolutely dominant against Hamilton. What, they scored 12, combined 18 points in the two meetings? So you just got to put, you got to give props to Winnipeg's defense, at least with being able to contain Hamilton really, really well. But at the same time, Willie Jefferson should not be getting interceptions, and I think that was 90% luck. So there's obviously some misfiring, like you said. That was a great term, so I'm going to steal it. In fairness, he did get some picks in Saskatchewan. I was going to say, he had a couple pick sixes for us. Yeah. But, but, But should he get them? 
Like, no. he's, he's a defensive end. Like, Absolutely not. I get the batted balls um, at that height, but not the picks. Yeah. Well, he used to be a receiver, right? And then Chris Jones was like, now nah, I'm going to put you on the D-line. So I guess that's where that comes from. No way. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I did that with A.C. Leonard, too. A.C. Leonard used to be a receiver tight Holy. end. And Jones is like, now nah, you're on the defensive line now. That's wild. Well, I can kind of tell you where Hamilton faltered. I think they're missing Addison big time, but Masoli keeps forcing the deep ball uh, in Canadian football when a lot of it's about checkdowns and intermediate routes. Example being that he kept running a smash concept on the field side that was wide open. A smash concept is like a corner and curl route. The issue here is that they would run a post on the boundary side where the receiver was covered by the safety and the corner. So that's a two-on-one type of deal. And uh, pass in the passing game, it's all about numbers. You want to hit guys that are on single coverage, not double coverage. And on the smash side concept, the concept that the smash... I just butchered my words here, but that concept, uh, it was two on two. Instead of hitting those checkdowns, you just try and do too much and drop bombs. And that's why he kept throwing interceptions or he kept getting flustered because he's keep, keep trying to force balls that are not there. And while the bombers were the complete opposite, they would throw the checkdowns would go, would go deep only if it was there. Uh, Masoli will not be a starter long if he doesn't keep if he doesn't play Canadian football. He's trying to play American football in Canada. That doesn't work, and he keeps trying to hit these bombs that only work the first drives, and then he s- scrambles and panics when it's not there. He's doing too much because winning the games in the CFL is just about letting that guy get the intermediate route and work in space. That's what he was not doing at all, and that's what screwed them. Let's be frank, and I will say this: that offensive line was not as bad as we thought, as I thought it would be in that game. I just felt like Masoli was a little antsy and kind of gun-shy. Definitely fair. I saw a lot of people kind of dunk in on Hamilton's line, and, I mean, part of that is their longtime center, I think his name's Filer, just retired. So what, Oh, they had apparently two rookies, didn't a they? big fight, a big fight in practice. So Darius Siraco, uh was the old starting right guard, but he played center at UFC for years. Yeah, uh, moved into center, and then I believe they'd Okafor at uh, left tackle, and I'm trying to remember who was at right. I think get Jesse Gibbons from uh, uh, he played at Waterloo. I'm trying. Yeah. It was something like that. It was some sort of combination like that. Those are young guys, but like they kept bringing in Nikola Kalinick, who's I think is the best fullback in the CFL, into uh, pass coverage and when they were running the ball. But man, I, I think I think Winnipeg's defense is just too good for that. For sure. Um, yeah, part of that I think is Sirocco. It's his first game professionally as a center, so maybe he's not. You know, maybe he's not 100% used to the callouts, or maybe he's just a bit rusty. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt there, but other than that, I didn't think their uh, offensive line was too bad. And I guess let's ask this question again. After week one, how long do you think Mazzoli's leash is? Is it still a long one or a shorter one? See, and yeah, like... Like I, I thought it was pretty long to begin the season, but you, I mean, Dane Evans looked like he was itching to get out there, and I mean, James made some great points about not playing Canadian football the way it should kind of be played, yeah. and uh, 
Yeah, like I, I think after that game, I, I'd be a little scared and I'd be looking at Dane Evans a little more, but I don't think they're going to pull him this week by any means. I mean, they're going up against who many consider to be right now. Like they played the best team who many consider to be the best team and they're going to be playing now against who many consider to be the second best team. So I feel like you give Masoli, you tell him like you got one half to start and if it's not good, you're getting pulled. I agree with that. I'd say maybe the full game because who knows uh, how their defense is going to show up because a lot of it has to do with field positioning. And I will add this in. I also think Hamilton's offense, I mean, defense is not that good anymore. I'm going to be like blunt. Their front seven has three good players, Dylan Wynn uh, and uh, Jaguar Davis and... Uh, <clears throat> Uh shoot, I forget his name. Simone, Simone Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, it it slipped my mind for a split second, but I think their front seven is not good. That's how the bombers got the win. But I think Masoli is like I think you stick with Dane Evans after the next game if they lose. Yeah. Uh for me, it depends how bad he is. If it's Dom Davis where he's throwing a bunch of picks. In that first half, which the Riders secondary is definitely like a tur turnover-oriented secondary, uh, I think you pull him and you give Dane Evans the ball in the second half and see what happens and go from there. But if it's just mediocre, he's not really turning the ball over, I think he's probably going to play the whole game. I also do feel like Masoli's game is heavily predicated on these like boomer bus plays. Like, let's do too much, let's scramble, let's try and hit force deep balls. And I kind of feel like that's how he's always been, in my opinion. And I feel like that's kind of catching up with him a little bit. Yeah, that's definitely fair, I think, with him. But yeah, I was even just thinking, like, if if I just kind of, if you think, like, if I think of any Jeremiah Mazzoli play, it's him scrambling outside the pocket somewhere. Yeah, the throw you know, the that's bomb the first, to somebody. Yeah, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, is just trying to check it downfield on the run. That's, yeah, exactly. And then let's jump to our next game here. BC lost in what actually turned out to be a nail-biter, surprisingly. Uh, 29-33 to Saskatchewan. So, this was a big concern for Ryder fans, uh, including me. Um, what were you guys' thoughts on the Saskatchewan offensive line? Well, you know, I, uh, I'll just, yeah, they, they could have been worse. Like, it's the first game, they're kind of working the kinks out, you know, you're missing Brendan Labatt, and, uh, you're yeah like uh what was it terrence vaughn he got hurt right before they started and it, yeah it just didn't look good so for like they only let up two sacks we could have done better running the ball but uh overall i didn't think they did too bad like there's th i think we like you have things to look forward to it's going to get better yeah like i wouldn't be if i was a saskatchewan fan i wouldn't be stressed about the state of the offensive line because i do think that it's going to trend upwards um, however, I am going to defer this point a little bit because I wasn't able to catch the full Saskatchewan BC game. So I'm going to, that's, I'm just going to leave my statement at that. 
I think the offensive line played significantly better than I expected. I thought it was going to be brutal, but they did also hide a lot of their inconsistencies and in pass protection by uh, having a lot of RPOs and play action uh, type plays where the offensive line doesn't have to really pass block. It's more aggressive run blocking. Uh, I will say this, Brett Boyko did surprise me. He is not the turnstile he was in BC, as me and Mr. Jimmy Leach had gone back and forth, how I said Brett Boyko I think will surprise some people, even though I thought he was awful in BC. I thought he played better than anyone expected. Yeah. I will say that. Oh, but I will say the, the interior line didn't look too terrible. Obviously, as <clears throat> Dan the Man is kind of a a seasoned veteran, but the t- the ta- the right tackle position is definitely lacking, in my opinion, left guard. But it'll trend upward. It's all about meshing and getting together and uh, working things out, calls and such. And uh, that's my 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 two cents on that that situation. That's definitely fair for me. I think. Yeah, Boyko was better than I thought he was going to be because I saw him in the green and white game. He looked like a turnstile like he was at BC, so I'm like, oh no, we're in trouble, but he actually played uh, played pretty well, and most of the guys on our offensive line coming into camp were, you know, backups or, like, third strings offensive line, except for really Dan Clark. So it was good to see that that line was still able to hold up and yeah, I think the play calling did help with, as James mentioned, the RPOs and Moss calling a lot of plays that got the ball out of Cody's hands quickly. So for me, I think a combination of those things definitely helped the offensive line and hopefully they do start to gel a bit more as the season goes on. So uh, going with the theme of Canadian rookies from last game, how did rookie Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke do in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, for a, like the way that it happened was just amazing and to I I had to kind of wrap my head around that to start your first game as a Canadian on the road in Saskatchewan in the first time they've had football in 2 years where you're going to have this crazy crowd like for him to throw just about 200 yards, two touchdowns, he did have two picks but like he played like I, you know, we've seen sorry like Michael O'Connor and other Canadians play, and they have not played as good as this in their first or second game. So it was really nice to see Nathan Rourke do well, and I didn't think a lot of people were expecting that right away out of him. And when it comes to those picks, I don't even really want like I would even say one and a half. I know that that's not like a real thing, but like it's tough to really be like, oh, that pick was because of him when he's trying to force something because he has to make up for somebody else's mistakes, you know? Yeah. Like, so I would say, yeah, absolutely amazing. Like you go down 33 zip and then you're able or 32 to like, what was it? One, like 32 to one or whatever. And they're able to bring it all the way back. And, like, that's ridiculous, even though he didn't get the win. Still amazing, amazing work. Those picks are just growing pains of being a rookie. Let's be honest. I, oh, yeah. yeah. I definitely felt like Michael, uh, uh, Nathan, Michael Rourke, Nathan Rourke. <laughs> my bad, y'all. I, okay. You guys know me. Sometimes I'm just, like, saying stuff. I forget the names. Anywho, I think that there's growing pains. Those picks are going to be there, and I think he played 
better than some veterans who have who have better teams around them this week. Uh, and he's just a rookie. And two, we got to think about this. He's been playing four down ball in the States. He's not used to Canadian. And to think he came up here and did that, super impressive. And I think they have a bright future. And let's see if they keep rolling with him that maybe – you could get rid of Mike Riley because that is a hefty contract and that mm-hmm. team's roster sucks. I'm going to be honest. It's a bad roster. Yeah, I think you're right about the roster there. Uh, I don't know if you can Mike Riley yet, just yet. I don't want to start that trend just yet. But No, I'm not like like saying like right now, but I'm saying like in the future because of the way his deal's structured – do you want to like stick with a Canadian kid, help build the fan base out there that has, let's be real, the weakest fan base in the West and, you know, uh, revive, revive the franchise. Cause Mike Riley hasn't been what they've needed him to be in that city and for what they're paying him. Yeah. I don't disagree with you at all there. I feel like Rourke, my biggest question for him was, okay, how is that arm going to look? Because as uh, our guest from last episode, DT, pointed out, his accuracy numbers weren't stellar in college, but we had been getting lots of reports out of camp that his arm looks significantly better than college, and to be honest, those reports were right. There's a lot of zip on those balls he was throwing out there. And with maybe a year or two of mentorship from Riley, I think he really could be something special in this league, and as you mentioned, uh, in a struggling market in BC, you know, Nathan Rourke might not be a name right now, but if you say Canadian starting quarterback in a professional league, butts are going to get in the seats and people are going to know Nathan Rourke's name, you know? Well, another thing, like he's from, he was born in Victoria. Like that, that's his province he was born in. Like market that, utilize that. Yeah, for sure. Like, again, another reason to do it. Local local Canadian quarterback starting for your BC Lions. Like, mm-hmm. could you imagine? Like, that, that marketing potential is wild. And uh, I think he can definitely develop into a Canadian starter. If Rourke doesn't, like I mentioned, there is a guy that's going to Penn State, I think, next year or the year after. Who's, yeah, him. He's supposed to be really good. Uh, what do you know about him, James, if anything? Oh, he's like a four-star prospect, so it's like really high. That's like he could be an NFL player. But Penn State's just such a factory of big-time players that who knows, he might not ever start or ever be anything. But who knows? Who knows? This is so early on to tell. Uh, <clears throat> but he's one of those guys that played here for a bit, but then he, everyone saw this kid's got talent, so he, he's been going to prep school in the States for quite some time. Uh, Cause I believe Michigan offered him when he was like 14 years old. So he, people have known f- about him for a very long time. Yeah, that's wild. I, I remember hearing about him a year or two ago when he committed to Penn state, but I watched the tape. He looks really nice. And I mean, again, Canadian quarterback fans, there's another one to watch out for uh, in the future. Who knows O'Connor went to Penn State, then went to UBC. True. I mean, I, I don't know what 
I still don't understand that decision by O'Connor. I would have gone to no, another. He was never going to play. He was never going to play. And sometimes it's very hard to get onto a squad, a different Div 1 squad. Uh, there's this gentleman. He's he's from Calgary. He was on Oregon. His last name's like, I can't even pronounce it. But he transferred to U of S because no Div 1 team would take him. And he had playing time at Oregon. Hmm. That is kind of strange. But yeah, for me, I don't know. Like I, I would have tried to get on with a Div One or D two school before I kind of went back to. Nah, U Sports is better than D two. I'm telling you that right now. Fair enough. For me, yeah, I would have tried to, well, at least see what's out there and say because he was recruited by a bunch of schools. He was recruited like, I like Bama and a couple other yeah, big name he was places. He's a four star as well. Yeah, so I don't know, but hopefully he sticks around at Penn. So. Again, keep an eye out there. And then, this is another question. I'm going to rephrase this question because I don't think it's fair to the defense. Where was the Ryder offense in the second half? Yeah, that's, I mean, if you saw the interview with Cody after the game, he kind of said the same thing. Like, they just could not get it together. I was just looking at the the play-by-play of the third and fourth quarter, and it would... They just they couldn't get drives together. They would get a play or two down, and then it was punting. It was it. They didn't get many first downs in that second half. So I don't know if they were tired and it just kind of caught up to them, or they let up, or they just couldn't like BC adjusted amazing at halftime. But yeah, that that offense uh, was definitely not clicking in the second half. Put up zero points on the board. That's not good. I mean, I feel like. Whenever I hear the concept of a team letting up, I doubt that that lasts, especially with something like this. I feel like if this team were to let up, it would have been only maybe like for the third quarter. And then they were like, oh, oh, no. And they just couldn't like at that point, it was like BC defense is too hot. Saskatchewan's offense can't catch up that type of thing. But that's all I can really say on that, because, yeah, it's mind numbing to see just a team go from so hot to so cold instantly. I definitely feel like they did blow their load too early, so to speak, 100%. You know, all those emotions go down, you know, the adrenaline's wearing off, you're tired, like, oh, we're going to put some backups in. Then BC came out guns ablaze, and they didn't let up. I feel like they also kind of got in, in a rhythm, so to speak, uh, like when Mike Riley went out there with his bum elbow and started to throw some of the worst footballs I've ever seen, but managed to get <laughs> yeah. a TD. But I think I think it's a combination of both because my friend had never seen Cody play, and my in the first half, my friend was like, "Oh my god, who is this guy? This is one of the best looking QBs I've seen in the CFL in a long time." And I'm like, "Really? You don't know who Cody is?" But this is one of my buddies who just got into the CFL, so. But, yeah, that was really weird how they just faded. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. It felt like they let their foot off the gas. I think that's what the coach said happened, is some of the guys kind of got sloppy later in the game. But, for me, I think that's probably what happened. Um, I think the coaches will drill it into them that you can't really do that in a professional league. Because... Hey, they almost came back and won, and if their kicker had made 100%, you know, they would have taken the L. But, 
Again, if you want to play the what if game too, right? Like the refs missed some pretty obvious calls. Like there was a headshot on Fajardo that they missed and a blatant holding call, which kind of led to a touchdown. So, you know, it kind of goes both ways. And then let's go to our last question on this game. Will BC be punished for providing inaccurate injury reports and depth charts? I don't think they'll be punished per se, but it sure didn't make the league look good when you're trying to get all your single game sports betting in. And then the, you know, like you're supposed to have this, like the best quarterback in the league starting and then you have a Canadian rookie starting instead. It just it doesn't make the league look good if we're trying to do that, and they're not being upfront about it, but this is all new territory for everybody. So, I mean, it could happen again this week, for all we know, in a, on a different team or with BC again. Um, I don't know how inaccurate their stuff actually was because do we know if they had the intention of playing Mike Riley at the beginning of the game? Um, if, they, if, the, if the intent was there, then it's not inaccurate. Well, there, well, was, I thought there was two Mike things. Told them, I thought. Yeah, there like were two Mike things said. that happened. One, Shaq Cooper was never on the injury report. So when the depth chart mm. came out that, oh, by the way, he's hurt. You know, okay. that that's one thing. Yeah. And the other was Mike Riley, but Okay, then uh, that one, then that one, they should be punished yeah. for the first one. But I don't think the Mike Riley one. I think that's too much of a gray area. Yeah, I'll get to why I I kind of agree there, but I'll let James hit it next. I feel like they won't be punished because we don't know Mike's situation. Hey, he could have been warming up, throwing some balls, and he may have hurt his elbow again or reaggravated it just warming up. Mm-hmm. It could be that you know. I feel like. You know, I feel this has happened before. Let's let's be honest, but it isn't a good look, like Taylor said. But we'll we'll see if this if this is a trend with BC. Yeah, I think you might have to find them for optics purposes, because like the league said in its memo, if you provide inaccurate information, you're gonna be fined or lose draft picks. So I think if you let BC kind of slide under the radar. Somebody like Mike O'Shea might think, okay, maybe I can get away with something if I, you know, follow, do it kind of okay. in a similar oh, way to BC, right? If, if anybody's going to do it, it's going to be over the cap, no punishment Toronto, okay? First of all. No, Ryan Dimwoody is not that clever. Mike O'Shea's been doing this for years. <laughs> like, let, let's be real here. If anyone's going to try to mess around with depth charts, it's Mike O'Shea. And even he, he provided a fully accurate depth chart, you know, when his guys were hurt, none of them were on there, you know, and we, we knew because of the injury reports. So, yeah, for me, I think you can let the Mike Riley thing skate, because according to Mike Riley himself, he was going to start and he had every intention of starting, but he had to tell coach, like, right at the start of the game, he could not go in. And so, obviously, you can't change anything right at the start of the game, right? Like, you couldn't even let TSN know. So, I mean, it does suck for the gambling crowd, but, you know, he was listed as questionable, right? So, for Mike Riley, I think you let it skate, but 
with the Shaq Cooper thing as well, I think you at least find them a little bit just to maintain optics with your new gambling partners. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, no that that, makes sense. That, that's exactly sense. it. Like you just don't want to, yeah, you just don't want to hurt these partnerships exactly. And you just, you it like when the fans start complaining about stuff like that, and they're very vocal, and you know, there's stories about it and stuff. It just people don't want to be associated with that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, so I just, I, I think, yeah, like you guys said, they won't do anything, but hopefully, it just doesn't continue. I agree. I knew people who bet on BC just because they. Uh, thought Mike Riley was playing and was going to go for the upset. Yeah, yeah. Like if you're if you're one of those people, you're curious right now. And I know there's a lot of people who aren't gamblers are saying, "Why is this important? Why does this matter?" And it's because gambling is a huge revenue stream for professional sports leagues. Like the NFL makes billions off of sports betting alone, so. The other leagues are making, you know, hundreds of millions. I think baseball's also making over a billion as well. You know, and the CFL, you know, let's be real, CFL ain't making a billion dollars, but they're making, you know, estimated they're supposed to bring in 10 to 20 million. And That's still very good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. There, there was a quote from the boys, which I'll re- kind of sort of repeat here in a PG fashion. You don't F with the money. And BC F'd with the money. So they might they might be hearing from the commission being like, hey, don't pull this again, or you know, we're we're gonna throw the book at you. And- I would like to I just want to add one more point here quick about kind of about this. Uh just even uh, I, I forgot, like my brother was playing fantasy and he had Mike Riley starting in fantasy and not that CFL fantasy is something crazy, but I have a hard time convincing some of my friends to play it. Like they're just like, no, it's stupid. And then when stuff like that happens, it, it could be really discouraging. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, like if that's your first time gambling with single game betting. Are you going to bet again? You know? Like, if you're a BC fan and you're like, oh, yeah, Mike Riley's playing, I'll bet for the over on his yards or whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, he, he wasn't even playing for most of the game. It's like, oh, well, what the hell am I doing here, you know? Always bet the under. I guess so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then did you guys make any bets, I guess, I should also follow up with? Uh, not this week. Uh, no. I didn't, No. I'm not on CFL, but the only bet I made was on myself, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, there so we I was go. Just trying to be corny. And <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, uh, I haven't either, but I, I might later on. I was going to bet on the Edmonton Ottawa game. I'm glad I didn't. So. Well, Ooh, yeah, that might have been a yeah. rough experience. I, I actually. I learned something, so uh, just a little fun fact. The single-game sports betting technically isn't uh, legal in Saskatchewan yet. Like, they haven't found a way to do it. So, like, if if you wanted to bet as a Saskatchewan fan, you'd have to, like, say this week, you'd have to find, like, an Ontario-like place to buy the tickets from. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I'm sure how the betting works. I don't even we don't even bet through that app. We use Bet365 and that's what we've always been using, but I guess it's like it's not affiliated with the CFL, but that's like then the states too, like not all states yeah. it's legal to bet in. 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really weird. So, let's jump to our next game here. Um, the Argos defeated Calgary 23-20. So, I'm going to ask, which new Argo impressed you the most? Uh, I got two. One's kind of got an asterisk beside it. I'm going to say McLeod Bethel-Thompson, because he did leave and play the Spring League this year. <laughs> but that's a cop that's, out, bro. Yeah, that's no, but I will say, uh, friend of the show, Curly Gittens Jr., it was nice to see him get that touchdown at the end of the game there. Nice throw by McLeod, but nice catch by him. And uh, yeah, just, I mean, good first CFL game to be in there. And yeah, I thought he played pretty well. Um, for me, uh, if we're talking new, I had to actually go on to the, uh, onto the website just to verify that he was new, but I'm going Ricky Collins Jr. Yep. Um, average of 21 yards per uh, per reception. That's that's ridiculous. Six targets for 126 yards. Wild. He's definitely the standout for me for new guys. Was going to say that as well, but I guess I'll go with Charleston Hughes, even though he had like five offsides <laughs> and like just dumb penalties. Yeah. He had so many stupid penalties, but that that fumble was that was game changing right there. That's a vet move. That's why you have a guy like that on your team. He is my favorite player. I do miss him on Calgary. He's like my favorite non Stampeder. Anyway, painful game to watch by me. Yeah, uh, I am 100% with you guys on Ricky Collins, uh, but I'm going to go with a kind of, what what was his name? I'm looking here. Uh, I'm going to go with an actual guy who's new to the CFL, Daniel Braveman. I thought quietly had a good game at receiver for the Argos. Five receptions, 42 yards, 8.4 yard average. I just liked how they used him in that game. And for a guy who's brand new to the CFL, you know, that was that was a pretty nice game. And shout out to that uh, Toronto defense, who's basically an entirely new defense from the last time we saw them, except for one of the guys that had a pick, Shaq Richards, another former Stampeder. Yeah, the Toronto Stampeders, my favorite. <laughs> 100%. See Eric Rogers making plays on the other side, man. That was a little interesting. Yeah, heartbreaking. And I guess with that Calgary loss, we got to ask this question. And I'm sorry you have to be here for this, James, knowing you're a Stampeder <laughs> fan. Has Calgary's magic finally worn off? Well, I would like to say yes, but I'm I'm not throwing in the towel on Calgary that easy. Week one, they're going to be uh, ticked off that they lost to Toronto week one, and they're going to come out guns a-blazing next week. And I think, like, I really think they could put on a clinic against BC if they really want to. So, like, I, I don't think the magic is gone. Uh, I don't think it will be until Dave and or Bo are gone, at least. I mean... I hope so, because I'm done with seeing them constantly, always winning all the time. But yeah, I, I can't write them off. I absolutely can't. Heck no, it's not. I think Calgary shot themselves in the foot, to be quite frank. Yeah, Toronto was impressive, but you got to like the Stamps didn't have um, uh, Richard Leonard. He was hurt. I think the secondary kind of screwed up. And I honestly think it was defensive play calling. And I'm going to get into that. Just give me a second. This is a long-winded question for me. 
it, with my explanation, if that's all right. I that's hope all you good. gents don't mind. Yeah. yeah so, go for it. so basically, I think the defense sucks. We have no pass rush except Sean Lemon with that big sack that we needed. But like there was like a brute a hit on Colton Hunchak that was clearly like PI that they never got the challenge on, but they got the challenge on before on the uh goal line that wiped the TD off the board and they would have had 27 points, let's say. And 27 points is not like a rusty game. That's like a good game in general. But I will say I feel like there's a little bit of picking and choosing what and what not to call. I'm not going to blame refs. I'm going to blame our defensive coordinator. So the big play by Curly Gittins Jr. was so dumb. He put them in a sting formation. That's where all like the defensive linemen are all uh, like in in a two-point stance rushing. And then all they do, they bring the free safety. And when they bring the free safety, the middle thirds of the field is is uh, wide open. And that's how they hit. They saw that hit the post route that was like the the massive TD to Curly Gittins Jr. And I'm just thinking that is the one play they ran is the one play that beats Sting. That's a Sting beater. And I'm sorry if I'm getting really into X's and O's, but basically. The position they put them in screwed them all because of that one play on the defense, in my opinion. And I felt like that's stupid. You, we do not have the team to run that scheme. Anyway, continue, guys. It's all good. Um, yeah, there, like James said, there are a couple missed calls. Uh, but I'm not a hundred percent on the Calgary. Has totally fallen off. They've definitely lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball, but. I mean, it, Calgary is Calgary until further notice, as far as I'm concerned. And Kamar's still that guy. Oh God, yeah, he had a great <laughs> he had a great comeback game. Yeah, he would have had two TDs if that one didn't get wiped off the board. He was five of five, so he's still that guy, and he hasn't played in a long time. Yeah, I think it was what 2018 was the last time he played. Which he did play the Western well. final, but he was like pretty banged up. Uh, it was 2019. Uh, oh, it was okay. his comeback game, but it wasn't really like a comeback game. It was freezing cold in Calgary, but this was like his return home. This is like the Kamar Jordan I remember when I was like a young and watching. Like, yeah, four years ago. God, I remember when. He first came out on the old CFL fantasy, and he was super cheap, and I used to just pick him every week because they would almost never change the prices back then. But yeah. Um, now they're offering money for it, so they have to. <laughs> yep. And then, has MBT done enough to end the talk of a QB controversy? Well, I did see the article, I think it was today or yesterday, that said, uh, McLeod, they're sticking with him, and yeah, and he's starting against the Bombers for week two. Uh, I mean, I don't see how you couldn't with the game he had. Uh, I think like he managed the game really well, put up 350 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, like, yeah, I think he played a lights lights out game, and there's no reason why you shouldn't start him. Yeah, no, why why change it? That was yeah. I mean, we called him our offensive player of the week, like. You know, and I'm sure if they were able to extend the uh, the top performers by a couple, he wouldn't have been far behind from the CFL's top three. So, yeah, why why mess with the success? Don't fix it if it ain't broke. I hate to see it for 
uh, Nick Arbuckle, as I really liked him in Calgary as Bo's replacement when he was hurt, and he's an all-around good dude. It's shitty to see for him, but hey, MBT's ball, and you got to stick with the hot hand. Yeah, uh, MBT's been doing well in Toronto for a while, and again, what's with all the QBs having post-pandemic flow? It's Zach Kalaros and McLeod Bethel-Thompson, man. Did you guys see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, but for me, I don't know. I feel like uh, he's, he's done almost enough, but media is going to be media, right? And as soon as he has a bad game, you know, we're, we're going to hear Nick Arbuckle's name. But for now, uh, I definitely don't think you can go wrong with NBT. So let's jump into the next game here in the Shocker of the Week. And oddly enough, the last game of the week. Somehow, the Ottawa Red Blacks managed to defeat the Edmonton Elks. 16-12. So, the first question I have was Edmonton's offensive woes due to Ottawa's defense, or was it something else? Well, I think it had a little bit to do with both like Ottawa's defense played a lot better than I think anybody thought they were going to play and kudos to them for the game they had. And uh, for Edmonton, they just like, you know, Trevor still threw 333 yards. They had over a hundred yards rushing. They like their receivers had lots of catches and stuff, but the problem was turnovers and they couldn't get in the end zone ever. They just couldn't get down there and get in it. I mean, right at the end of the game, they were a yard short and that's, that's what it felt like all game. They just could never get there. So I think that, like, I think they'll be okay. It's it's a struggle for the first week, but uh, definitely an eye opener for Ottawa. I'm gonna be uh, paying a little more attention to them to see how they do this year. Oh yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's a weird one because you think about their the main reason that they lost is that pick six that gets bumbled out of the receiver's hands right into Ottawa. So I feel like, yes, it's opportunistic for the Ottawa defense, but you can't really be like, oh, what a great play to have the Edmonton guy randomly fumble the ball and have him be right there. Like, you know, that was more of just a right place, right time type of deal. So I think that it's a mix of both. But yeah, I, I think Edmonton's going to recover. I, I'm going to be quite frank. Uh, my guy... Trevor Harris put up 333 yards. Yeah, he did. He Though he did have three interceptions, these things happen. We're shaking the rust off. He's a good guy, friend of the show. I, I, like, I hope he's successful. I do really like him. But I, I'm just going to say this. First game, grain of, take it with a grain of salt. They just couldn't punch it in. Ottawa looked terrible. I think they win this game 99 times out of 100. My opinion and I still think they're going to be a top team. That roster is just too good. Yeah, for me, I just, I knew that Ottawa D was going to be better, but it, it was at a level that just looked outstanding to me at points, but at the same time, I look at the play calling, I felt like Edmonton was trying to nickel and dime Ottawa for a good chunk of the game, and when I looked back at Edmonton, they were their best kind of when they were a high-flying offense, and you have the pieces to do that with Darrell Walker and Gray Ellingson, but 
It felt like at times well, that they weren't really doing that. They're lucky they didn't get diced up. They put up 450 yards of offense on them. Like, Ottawa just got lucky. That That's crazy. It's bend, don't break. They may have had those turnovers, but they're they're extremely lucky that they didn't get absolutely pummeled and that you know they had the those three interceptions cuz those those the yards they put up is embarrassing yeah and that they gave up rather oh yeah and the elks d is no slouch either they didn't allow first down till the very end of the second half but obviously they didn't win so that's not the storyline it was you know um wasn't it second quarter? You said second half. Er, sorry, yeah, second quarter. You're right, till the very end of the second quarter there. Yeah. But, yeah, Ottawa's offense was... They were about as bad as I thought they were, but that defense was, like, borderline elite at times, it felt like, with just... Or, I guess, luck, too, with some of it. With the you can't call them elite. You're giving up 450 yards of offense. Yeah. So I guess luck would probably be a bit better of a term there because, yeah, Edmonton, they put up all those yards, but Edmonton couldn't really do much with it with strain. And no, then, that's why you practice red zone every practice. Yeah. <laughs> that's go. the hardest part it is to move the ball is on the 15 yards, 20 yards in. That's the hardest spot it is to move the ball for sure. That's that's where I throw all my interceptions in Madden. Exactly. See, Taylor gets it. It's exactly like being a CFL player. Taylor gets it. <laughs> yeah, if only he gets Same CFL thing. in Madden. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, uh, let's jump into our power rankings real quick. Uh, for me, I have Winnipeg being number one, Sask number two, Hamilton three, Toronto four, PC 5, Montreal 6, Calgary 7th, uh, Ottawa 8th, and Edmonton 9th. Oh, I'll go next. I got uh, Winnipeg in first place. I got Toronto in second, Sask in third, Hamilton in fourth, Ottawa in fifth, Montreal State at sixth, BC in seventh, Calgary in eighth, and Edmonton in ninth. I've got Winnipeg first, Sask second, Toronto in third, Hamilton fourth, Montreal right in the middle at five, BC at six, Calgary at seven, Ottawa moving up just a little bit to eight, and Edmonton can't be above Ottawa, so they got to be ninth. Do you want me to list mine? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I feel like people aren't going to be happy, but this is based off of not necessarily the winner. It's more about how the game played out and how I thought – you know, teams could should have, would have. Not, not necessarily that, but teams, I think, you know, it's just shaking the rust off. Number one, Sask. Two, Bombers. Three, Toronto. Four, Calgary. Not because I'm a Calgary fan. They <laughs> lost by three. They lost by three. And Toronto's kicker missed two kicks. So yeah. it was a very back-and-forth game. Then I have Edmonton, BC, Hamilton, only because I think Masoli's dust. Uh, Montreal and then Ottawa. Montreal's only is t- eight tentatively because they have not played. That's, that's fair. fair. Yeah, that's kind of why I have them right in the middle for that same reason. So it's just like different outcomes, but same idea. I have them slightly lower than middle too, just because I think, yeah, those teams deserve to be where they are. But 
at the same time, we really don't know what Montreal is. You know, in 2019, when we saw them, they were probably the most fun team to watch in the entire league. But, you know, who knows what happens in 2019, right? Like the Ottawa Red Blacks won a game. Who saw that coming? You know, they're going to they're going to they miss Hedok Mwamba for sure. Oh, pardon me, James. Say that again. They're going to miss Henok Muwamba for sure, Montreal, because he showed out in Calgary. But Cameron Judge, yeah, he didn't look too hot. Yeah. That's my two cents. I should have added that earlier. Anyway. Let's jump into CFL Fantasy. So I'll list off the best positional option. Generally, it's going to go most expensive to least expensive, but sometimes I find somebody in Adamant later and it's not. Quarterback, Cody Fajardo at $11,263. Vernon Adams Jr. at $10,686. Zach Kalaros, I can't believe I've been saying that, at $9,519. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson at $8,672. Did I miss any QBs you guys would put on there? Well, just the, I mean... The we could just say BC, but we don't know about that yet. Hold on, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. I've got an asterisk yeah. for that pick but, later on. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, sorry, just yeah, McLeod Beth Thompson, that's my guy this week. That's that's who I think you should be sticking with. Cody's too, Cody's too expensive, and in uh, yeah, Vernon Adams first week, 10 grand, that's a bit much, so I don't know, those are tough, yeah, I mean. You're just with quarterbacks. You got to go with somebody who you know is going to ball out, and that's why it's like I, I I really don't want Vernon Adams for ten grand. I feel like that's a lot. Like you obviously can't have him cheap, but like I wouldn't have Vernon Adams going in for his first game, price like priced higher than Zach Caleros or MBT for that matter. But no, Ooh. I think we're looking for best value. I think excluding Vernon Adams, I think the other three are really good. And then, James, do you have any takes on this? I know you're not a huge into CFL Oh, I'm not a big fantasy guy, but you can't take Vernon Adams, a guy who hasn't played in time for that much. I'll say that. Right, yeah. That's fair for sure. Uh, I'm debating between Adams, MBT, and another quarterback to be named later. I'll say that much. So, for running backs, I have... Andrew Harris slash Brady Oliveira, whoever starts. Harris is $9,628. Oliveira is now $4,500 this week. William Powell is $7,721. William Stanback is $7,176. And James Wilder Jr. is $6,559. Any other halfbacks you'd include in there? Uh, no, not that I can think of, really. You, you hit it on the head there. I'm going to have probably Stanback, and uh, now that you told me James Wilder's that cheap, I'm probably going to sub him in there for uh, William Powell this week. Hey, don't forget Kadeem Carey. He had a good <laughs> week. He had like he did have a solid yards. week. That's pretty good. Like, like a hundred yards rushing is crazy in CFL because it's two downs. Like, yeah, seventy five. No, that's that's reasonable. That's nothing to scoff at. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to sell people on the idea that Calgary's still good when I'm questioning it myself <laughs> as well. Slavish Leitre vultured a bunch of carries from him. That's my only real concern with Kadim. 
Because he got some of his carries stolen. You know? That only gets you, like, the 75 yards only gets you 7.5 fantasy points with no touchdowns or nothing. Yeah, that's And he uh, didn't get any, re- well, he got one reception, but it's for negative oh, yards, so it's point yeah, eight yeah, points. my bad. I'm mad. We, you should probably pick up Randy Singletary. <laughs> it, that's an inside joke, but yeah, for real. Um, let's jump into the receivers now. We have a long list here. Amara Jordan, I usually don't have expensive receivers, but I'm making an exception at $9,904. Eugene Lewis, $7,783. Jack Evans, $7,253. Ricky Collins, at $6,233. Dominic Rimes, at Six thousand fifty-eight dollars. EJ Cunningham at five thousand eight hundred and seventy. Kenny Lawler five thousand seven hundred twenty-one. Nick Dembski at four thousand nine hundred seventy-seven. Josh Huff at four thousand five hundred thirty-four, and Jordan Williams Lambert at four thousand three hundred sixty-four dollars. Any receivers you would add into that mix? I do have two actually. Uh I got Quan Bray from Montreal, fifty-six twenty-nine. Uh I I think he could have a good game. He's got a lot to prove right now, and uh I think he could do good with Vernon Adams there. Like he'll be his main target, or if not one of it, one or two. And uh the second one will be Juan Bres Juan Breskin, sorry, I can't speak apparently, for forty-six seventy-seven. He only had a touchdown last game, but it seems like Toronto's going to use him for those moments. So, uh, yeah, going on the road in Winnipeg, he might be the guy that McLeod's throwing the ball to in the end zone. So, yeah, I'd say they're okay to pick this week. Um, Honestly, the only edit that I'd want to make is just, like, I get that he may be the best positional position or option, but I am not taking Kamar Jordan at that price. There is no way that a wide receiver is going to be more pricey than my quarterback. Oh, man, no Kyrie, you, you'd be shocked at the strategy Come some on. of us are going with this week, man. <laughs> nah, that's not my that's not my vibe. You're, you're not doing what Taylor and I are doing? All right, all right. It's all good. But, yeah, Kamar, I don't normally do the expensive receivers either unless uh, I think they... They're like a hundred percent sure thing they're getting ten points every week or more. And I have a two week rule, so if Kamar Jordan does that again uh this week, he might be in my lineup next week. But I mean I'm not gonna hate you if you have him in this week, especially with uh a little thing at quarterback that we'll get into. And then this week, I would not recommend picking any defense. I would go and spend that extra cash on your running backs and receivers. But if you have to pick a defense this week, uh, I'm saying Bombers defense at $4,199 just because uh, they're probably the best defense in the league. They got a lot of points last week. If you have to pick a defense, I think that's the one that makes probably the most sense. What about you guys? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I was going to say, if you want to maybe go risky, go Montreal's if you think uh, Edmonton's going to have another bad week, but that's probably not going to happen. 
I'd say uh, choose BC or something. I'm kidding. I'm just giving bad advice. On <laughs> I would I would say um, like this week, I, I think normally Saskatchewan and Hamilton are decent bets for defenses as well. However, they are currently playing each other, and I don't like either of those defenses to play extraordinary against the offenses. So, yeah, I think Winnipeg just, if you're going with the defense, I just think Winnipeg makes the most sense right now. Yeah, and then we're going to jump into our value picks here. I have two picks with asterisks beside their names uh, at the start and the very end of my value picks. So the first one is Shy Ross of the Edmonton Elks at $2,500. He's got an asterisk there because for whatever reason, Tavon Smith wasn't playing. And I mean, that kind of has to be due to injury because I highly doubt he like, Shire Ross looked good, but I mean, he, he isn't as good as Tavon Smith. So, if, for whatever reason, Smith isn't starting again, go with Shire Ross at $2,500. You can't go wrong there. He had a great game last week. And then, Raiden Lenius, uh, I kind of got talked into putting him on here. Uh, only three targets last week, but had a touchdown. Um... Hopefully he increases those target numbers next week, and I think he probably will with Saskatchewan's offense probably playing more than a half of football. And then, as James said in the chat, Calgary high school football legend Colton Hunchak, $2,500. He had a couple plays that he didn't get points on because there was PI, but if there was no PI and he caught those balls, he would have had a pretty big week, so he might be a guy that you look at picking. Uh, Daniel Braveman, my new standout for the Argos at 2500 And this is our last value pick that we're probably going to have a big discussion about, is Nathan Rourke. Yep. Canadian quarterback at $2,500. Uh, what do you guys think of this list? Well, I think it's pretty good, and yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with Nathan in uh, like the next couple of days to see if they just give him the go-ahead or not. I would just say before we kind of get into this Nathan work thing, uh, I did see that Jalen Marshall for Hamilton is listed at twenty five hundred bucks. So uh, I'm having a hot take here. He's going to have a big game against the Riders. They're going to be that's going to be their main target. So pick him. Well, that's interesting because they. Who's he gonna be? He's gonna be matched up with either Purifoy or uh, or Sam. Yeah. That's so if they match him up gamble. against the Sam, yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh. I. Oh, sorry. You oh no. Go what, ahead. No. Finish. Finish what you were gonna I say. I was gonna say I'm yeah. Really if he goes against the Sam, that could definitely be an interesting matchup. But go ahead, Carter. Okay. So I I really like Braden Linnaeus. I think. Um. I, I mean, I personally, I have Nathan Rourke in my lineup right now. you got to lock him in while he's cheap, because if he is starting, then that's an amazing grab. But um, if I were to take somebody else from this list, it would probably be Braden Lenius. But yeah, I think it's a good list. And then, yeah, I feel like everybody should have Nathan Rourke in their lineup right now, as of the day recording, August 10th. He is $2,500. Quarterbacks in fantasy that might start are not $2,500, and they're not supposed to be. It's supposed to be about 5000 so 
get him now while he's cheap. Uh, before the depth chart comes out tomorrow, preferably. Uh, yeah, I feel like if if he's starting and he's twenty five hundred, that's about probably six thousand dollars in savings that you can go and spend somewhere else. So you really can't go wrong picking a cheap quarterback, but a productive quarterback. And then let's jump into our locks for this week. Uh, for me, I am building my team around running backs. So William Standback is my lock. Uh, him and Wilder basically uh, are the only two like guaranteed pieces of my lineup. The rest I've been kind of playing around with. Standback was outstanding in 2019. Uh, landed him a shot with the Raiders, and now he's back, so I think he might be a nice piece again to this Montreal offense, and if Vernon Adams does take a step back at all, they'll probably lean on him a bit more, and he's one of the few guys in this league at that position that's a real game changer, so I'm going with William Standback. Yeah, for uh, for my lock, I actually, I, I was going to pick William, but you picked a good one there. Uh, I'm going to take McLeod Bethel-Thompson as my lock. Uh, even if Nathan Work plays, I'm still going to be taking McLeod this week, just with 350 yards last week. I think he's going to have another good game, even though he's on the road in Winnipeg. I think he's still going to show up and have a good time. Um, I'm going Kenny Lawler. I think that even if Darvin Adams comes back to that Winnipeg roster, like Kenny Lawler is either going to be the number one or number two option. And just comparing him to other people around that price point, the mid to higher five thousand range, it just he looks to be the best value at that price point. And I'm gonna go with Ricky Collins Jr. Baby. Ooh. I, I like that pick. He's at a good price for a receiver, so you can't really go wrong there. That's a good pick, James. And then. We'll jump into our pick. I'm, I'm going to do a better job of trying to keep our records in check because last last time there was a season we did this and we kind of lost count of our, our records. So I'm going to try to keep them updated each week. Uh, for me, I am sadly one in three. <laughs> so this week I'm going with Calgary, Winnipeg, Montreal, and Sask. Nice. Well, I am uh, two and two so far, and I'm taking Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Saskatchewan. I am currently three and one, and I'm going to go with. I think BC takes it. I think they cause an upset, but Ooh. again, I I don't think I don't think Calgary again. I don't think they're going to fall off. I just think they're going to have a rough start. Um, then I'm going Winnipeg, Montreal, and. I have, I don't know, written as my last one, but I think I'm going to jump with you guys and go Sask. Um, I guess if I was just going off of, uh, I didn't do this with you guys last week, but I'm going to, I'm going to be f- quite honest. Uh, I, I'm two and two. I, I, if I, of the advice I was giving, well, I'm betting, I'm betting I was two and mm. two. So let's say, let's say I'm two and two for this. Was it net profit? <clears throat> Well, I won two of my bets and lost two other because I was just yeah. betting to win. So yeah, yeah, um, I'm two, two. I won two, lost two. 
So this week I got Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Sask. I got a clean sweep for the Western Division. Can't hate on that. I mean, that... I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Yep. Good times in uh, it's good times in the prairies right now. I'll tell you what, being uh, being one and zero, right? Oh, Absolutely. Oh, I'm zero and one. Hey, I live in Toronto, so I'll ride the wave of one and zero. goes. I hate you, McLeod, Pepper, Thompson. I swear to God. James got his Argo jersey that he leaves at his like university house just to keep the peace. Can't bring it back to Calgary, but puts it on at Argos games. That's yeah, a Ricky Ray jersey. Love to see it. No, I'm kidding. I don't have one. I will never own one. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. All right. So let's jump into our game time cues. Our first one is for BC versus Calgary. Uh, does Calgary bounce back or does BC have a coming out party? Uh, I think Calgary is going to bounce back, but it'll still be a close game. Closer than some people think, I think. I think uh, for a second I was waiting for James to talk. I was like, no, it's my turn. Um, I think BC comes out to start with the fire that they had coming out for the second half of the first game. Um, being able to switch on a dime like that and almost bring a 30-point deficit back against Saskatchewan. And, I mean, I don't think Calgary right now is as strong as Saskatchewan, so I think BC is going to surprise a lot of people. I hate the disrespect I'm getting here. <laughs> just, uh, I think Calgary's going to bounce back. They're going to, because, well, if there's one thing Calgary's good at, it's bad defensive calls when they got an injured secondary. Uh, Calgary's taking it, or I'm I'm going to my I'll be six feet deep next week. No, that's a bad joke. Okay, let's continue on. It's all good. Uh Let's go to Toronto versus Winnipeg. Well, the Winnipeg defense shut down that Argos offense. Uh, I don't think they'll shut them down passing, but the run game, I think, will be definitely slow. Uh, John White won't have that good of a game, but uh, I think McLeod will still have, my guess, is over 300 yards. Um, I think, yeah, I think the passing game is going to be really strong. Um, I think McLeod Bethel Thompson is going to be dotting up the secondary because our secondary isn't looking amazing. Like it's looking solid, but it's by no means elite on its own. Um, but yeah, I think the run game, if we still have our starting defensive line, because um, the Winnipeg injury report is like a mile long right now. Um, so if if we're able to bring back majority of our starting defensive line, then we should be able to keep the run game in check. Toronto's O-line is their weak point, <clears throat> like a lot of teams this year. Uh, you know, I think Toronto's going to get it poured on them a little bit. Well, who knows? It's all on Caleros, but I think uh, Toronto, uh, it's not uh, a fairy tale for them. Uh, this Them coming to the West is going to be a long, grueling, painful stretch where they get massacred. For me, I think uh, it's going to be... I don't think he's going to have the game that he had last week. And he probably goes for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. I mean, 300 yards and one touchdown. Rather than the 350 and two that he had last time around. 
So, let's jump to Montreal versus Edmonton. Uh, will the Elks bounce back from their embarrassing loss? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Uh, I just I think that they've kind of been given a gift with, uh, well, hopefully, I guess, uh, with Montreal not playing yet. Hopefully uh, Edmonton has a bit of advantage over that, that, you know, they got to shake their rust off and they come out of the gates guns blazing, but Montreal could be a little more fresh and have a little more game film and do the same thing. So I, but I still will say, I think Edmonton does bounce back. I think Edmonton, of course, bounces back. I feel like this is literally the, this is who you want to play. If you're trying to bounce back this week, you want to play the team that is still rusty. And seven out of eight teams last week looked rusty at some point. So you've got to assume that that's going to happen for some point for Montreal. And if Edmonton can take advantage, especially if it's early, this can get ugly really quick. Trevor's going to take his frustrations out on them. He's going to light them up. Oh, man. I, I think, can see that. Yeah, I think this could turn into a shootout, but... uh. This is a toss-up for me. Uh, I really like Montreal, but I like Edmonton too. And Edmonton is going to be yes this week because they just got embarrassed on their home turf. And I think they're going to come out with a fire under their butts. And I think they might take, they could take the dub here. But again, it's a toss-up. I did pick Montreal, but I mean... Uh, Edmonton is going to, I think, put up better numbers than last week for sure. And then, Taylor, you had a follow-up question you wanted to ask. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, do you guys think that Edmonton has an advantage over Montreal, or does Montreal have an advantage over Edmonton with Montreal having the week off last week? Uh, For me, Uh I'm going to say... Montreal has an advantage in that they have tape on Edmonton, and Edmonton has an advantage as they played a game, so they're probably a bit better conditioned than Montreal is. So again, for me, there's kind of advantages and disadvantages there. Um, I would say Edmonton has the advantage right now just because, yeah, in-game experience and all of that stuff and just sort of you don't have to worry about that sort of like, you know, oh, we're coming off of a almost two-year break type deal. Like, they had a game. They know what to expect now. Even, like, they know they're playing a different team, but they know, like, the toll that it's going to take on their body and that type of thing. And, I, I mean, I haven't played a full season of contact football, so I don't know if that's a big deal. I'm sure James can talk to that more than I could. But I feel like that's something that could really help Edmonton. You know what? <clears throat> I think Hamilton's going to struggle as long as they have Masoli in. That's my opinion. I I think I've seen enough Masoli. I was never truly oh, hold on, we're, on we're, Hold your horses, James. We're on uh, my, Edmonton. My brain got, <laughs> still. My brain got dried. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's okay. Still... We're, we're all recording late at night, so we're all a little tired. Uh yeah, the it's, question it's, was, does Edmonton 12, have the advantage? It's a 12.30 for me. No, yeah. I, 
Oh, oh God! I got for some reason I thought Saskatchewan was playing Montreal and Edmonton <laughs> was playing Hamilton. My bad. <laughs> All good, man. Uh, <laughs> guys, I'm terrible. Oh, this is so awesome. And this is a CFL podcast, and I'm just butchering it. It's, hey, it's about, about it's it. about okay. thirty degrees in my house. Um, I'm Someone sweating. threw a rock through the window, bro. <laughs> yeah. like yeah, that was his emergency, um, by the way. Well, well, the Elks bounce back from their embarrassing loss. Well, hell yeah, they're gonna do it. They're gonna pour it on, um, M- MTL, and uh, they do have the advantage because Montreal they haven't played in like three years. And Vernon Adams, what was this guy doing? Wasn't he delivering skip the dishes or something? <laughs> <laughs> At one point, I think so. Yeah. Too. I I heard he, I heard the tips were so good. He was debating leaving the CFL. Um, oh I, man! Who knows? I I heard Vernon Adams was actually eating some of the people's food, and uh, I heard he, I heard he packed on a few pounds, and they were very concerned, and they were saying we th- we might need you to come back at offensive tackle with departures of a lot of our vets. Um, <laughs> Oh, Badminton does have a big time advantage. They're going to be a little more crisp, a little more sharp. Well, they're they there was no preseason, so Montreal they they got to work out what they want to work out on the fly kind of deal. So Edmonton uh, does have the advantage, big time, big time, especially with Vernon Adams' weight gain. <laughs> I guess we'll see about that. But does knows? Skip does Skip sponsor the Alouettes? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Some or, or it's <laughs> called Le it's like, or something. Yeah, it's, like, it's like Jerron Carter was delivering skip the dishes for a little bit there. Money must have been good for him, but I mean, let's jump into Hamilton versus Saskatchewan. Uh the question is, will either team's offense show up for this game? Well, like, like James said, I think that's Hamilton's... what I was going to answer. That's what I, I felt I was answering. <laughs> well, like he said, though, I think Hamilton's offense is going to struggle, but uh, Saskatchewan will come. I think they're going to like they know what happened in that second half, and they're going to come out uh, just as hot as they did last time. Maybe not three touchdowns in a row, but uh, yeah, I think I don't think the Rhinos will have a problem, but I think Hamilton's going to again. Um. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, if I feel like Hamilton's best chance is if they put Dane Evans in, and even then, I don't know if he'll be able to catch up if Saskatchewan gets hot early. Um, I think I think Saskatchewan's offense has a better chance to show up quickly, or yeah, more quickly. I guess would be I don't know what the correct way of saying that would be, but I'm a writer. Um, <laughs> um, oh, Jimmy, how many uh, penalties were there last week? Oh God! Too many. It was four. It was four. No, but it was four or five for the uh, like delay of games, right? Yeah, something like and that. That's, yeah, so that's that's what I'm thinking. I think they're just gonna get Mizzoli's head. Like the crowd, they'll be loud, and they're they're just not gonna be able to concentrate. Yeah, Mizzoli's um gonna turn into ravioli, but I'm anyway. <laughs> like I don't even know why I come on these shows. I just always like mess up people's names and they're like, yo, is this guy even a fan of CFL the way he talks? Or like oh and I wasn't like focused. I'm dying. It's hot. It's it's late. Anyway. Um <clears throat> Jeremiah Masoli he's about to be turned into ravioli and I think 
I think Hamilton's offense is not going to show up if they continue to have that silly little lad at the helm. Uh, they need to put Dane Evans in, I think. And uh, I think Sask just needs to keep the pedal to the metal and not let off the gas. And as every single football coach will ever, ever say, every coach has said this, be the hammer, not the nail. And uh, that's what they need to be. That makes sense. For me, I think uh, Saskatchewan's offense showed up for more than one drive, so I think Ryder's offense is probably a little bit more likely to show up this week. And I think uh, Braylon Addison was another DNP this week, so he probably uh, misses this game. Yeah, just got to watch that. We've been, I mean, we've been talking about it in our group chat, but you got to watch out for uh, Brandon Banks and Nick Marshall this week. That'll be the only what if, I guess. Yeah, that's the one you're concerned about because Nick Marshall fell asleep for one play and Lucky Whitehead absolutely toasted him when Nathan Rourke threw a dime to him for a touchdown. I guess yeah, you could so. say that was pretty lucky. Oh, CSA outside Miami. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, puts on the shades. Oh, man. All right. So let's jump into our COVID activities. So, in honor of Carter's pick, Lucifer, which I'm up to season three on already, um, yeah. I, I'm going to recommend The Mentalist. It's a show that's very, very similar in terms of how the main protagonist acts and the relationship partner. Uh, basically, the mentalist is this guy who pretended to be a psychic for years, and he pretended to kind of profile or reach out to the serial killer or whatever, and sure enough, as soon as he comes back from doing that, um, his wife and daughter are murdered by the same serial killer. So now he works with the police to help solve their crimes and find the serial killer responsible for killing his family. Wow, that sounds good. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. That sounds like my life. It's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Definitely go check it out. Oh, well, I gotta, I gotta switch mine to two. I have an Amazon Prime recommendation as well. It's called the in-betweeners and if you haven't heard of it it's just about these uh four british friends i think they're in high school just finishing around there but it's just very vulgar uh humor lots of swearing lots of bad words and stuff like that it, it's really funny and uh, you'll have some good laughs at it and i just kind of realized as uh as we were talking about this that i've been kind of going through a denzel washington movie phase i just watched uh the Equalizer and The Equalizer 2 and American Gangster. So, uh, yeah, Denzel Washington movies. The best actor ever. He's so darn cool. He's so darn clever. <laughs> he, he is my favorite actor. Yeah, he's great. Like, any movie he's in is gold. And that little rhyme there was uh, Krispy Kreme, Froggy Fresh, if anyone knows who he is. He's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Kreme, he's got a whole, yeah, he's got a whole... He's got a whole song, Denzel Washington, the best actor ever. He's so darn cool. He's so darn clever. I think that you're the man, and Mike does too. Yeah. They're just, sure they're, it's the best. Um... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, um, for me, it's been just kind of work. Like, it's it's boring, but, I mean, I've been enjoying it. Um, 
I've been uh, doing news writing and a little bit of on-air stuff, um, especially on the weekends. It's weird. My week is essentially um, Saturday is my Monday and Wednesday is my Friday. Oh, that's so, all right, then. Yeah, especially because on the weekends, I'm the only one in the office, so I can just kind of go in there, get my work done, and dip. Oh, that's um, all right. Yeah, but I mean, I've been playing Rocket League with some friends as well. Love that game. Broke into champ a little bit ago, so big dubs. But yeah. Um. Well, I've been rewatching all of Guy Ritchie's films, uh, classics to say the least. But besides that, I'm playing football again, guys. We're back. University football. Uh, we had OTAs this weekend. Um, you know, playing right guard. We're 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 ramping up for the season. Training camp, uh, Labor Day weekend. Frickin' excited, long time coming, I'll tell you that, y'all. Frick I'll yeah. Tell you that. No doubt, man. That's awesome to see that you guys are finally back and hopefully you can lock down that started job, James. Oh, thank you. It'll be a grind. It'll be a grind. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Uh so that concludes the show. Thank you very much for listening. Uh if you didn't catch it before, our social media, you can follow us. At True North CF Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, once again, I've been your host, Jimmy Leach. This is the True North CFL Podcast signing off.